to This Grit and Grace Life, a podcast for strong women and those who want to be. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, real talk for women embracing this grit and grace life. Let's get into it. Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. I'm Julie Bender. And I'm Darlene Brock. Today on the show, we're bringing back one of our favorite guests, Dr. Zoe. If you don't already know Dr. Zoe Shaw, she's been a part of Grit and Grace for several years now, first as a contributing writer, then a frequent podcast guest, and now she answers your questions on our free Ask Dr. Zoe advice column. She's a licensed psychotherapist, a relationship expert, a life coach, speaker, author, athlete, wife, mom, and believer. Welcome back to This Grit and Grace Life, Dr. Zoe. Thank you. I'm so excited to be back with you. A much more enjoyable topic than the last one we spoke about. <laughs> it's true <laughs> that. In fact, we're going to start super light, although we're excited to talk about what you're here to discuss with us today. But we love to open our shows with just something kind of simple and light and get to know you. So we wanted to bring you into this one. Tell us your worst ever style choice. Oh, you know, it's so <laughs> funny because... We're home on lockdown and, you know, the Los Angeles area. And we've been looking through pictures with my <laughs> daughter. <laughs> and I saw, we were looking through these pictures when I was in college and this hairstyle, which I thought was just so amazing. It was like on the side of my hair, I had a ponytail up kind of halfway with this big fluffy, I don't know, some kind of hair thing. And then like my hair was twisted and then like another big fluffy thing on the end of it. And I remember thinking I was so cool. And I looked at that picture and I was just like, I don't know what happened. And my what daughter's like, why did you think that was nice? Why did you think that? <laughs> How old is like, she? I can't explain it. <laughs> She's eight. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. 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 That's funny. Okay. Well, even as I looked at this question, I'm like, the truth is, is a lot of stuff that I would like, I actually am going to say overalls, but they're back. Yeah. Oh, but I, I remember when I was in college, I wore really, really baggy overalls. And thinking back, I was constantly having to manage making sure there wasn't too much of a gap so that you couldn't see down to my underwear. <laughs> so why was I wearing them if I was like in hyper panic mode all the time? And looking back, they just look so ridiculous and frumpy and like I should be going to the job site with a hammer or something. <laughs> Which I could totally envision, Julie. Right? At least the overalls now are like fitted and cute. Oh, okay. Or something. Okay. <laughs> what yeah. about you? I had there? a pair of velvet overalls. Ooh. Oh, I really loved those. They were brown velvet and I just loved them. Well, I was going to say that would actually be super in right now. Yeah. I think that one would come back. Yeah. I don't know. More years ago. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. Oh, if I'm going there, I have to go to the eighties. You know, the big hair, the big earrings, the big shoulder Mm. pads, the big everything. Did you wear bright lipstick? Oh, yeah. You know, I don't now. I know. I can't even imagine you with lipstick on. Everything was over the top. And that's when, you know, same thing with me, Zoe. My daughter one time saw a picture and said, why did you look like the bangles? I said, (laughs) everyone looked like the bangles. What are you talking about? I mean, the big hair, the big shoulder pads were kind of great. They were like God's... shoulder pads are amazing. Yeah, Yeah. they're God's gift to a woman's hips. I mean, how great is that? (laughs) Uh, That's awesome. Okay, so enough of style choices. (laughs) You know, we're going to get to the meat of this one. Zoe, you have recently written a book. I think you spent all of 2020 or part of 2020 doing that. I did, yeah, unexpectedly. 
<laughs> yeah, I bet. And the title of it, I got to get this in, A Year of Self-Care, Daily Practices and Inspiration for Caring for Yourself. Okay, what was yes. the best part of writing your book? Or maybe the worst? Give me one or the other. Well, the worst part of writing the book was that I wasn't very self-caring. <laughs> <So I> was <laughs> writing the book. I stayed up. I had deadlines. It was it was a little hectic. And I was actually very conscious of that, that I was not caring for myself as I was writing this book on self-care. But the best part of it, I think was, well, it's a combo of, I've never worked to a deadline like this before. And it really stretched me. And it also taught me that I can get things done a lot faster than I think I can. Interesting. <laughs> and going back after it's done and reading it, I, I realized that there's a lot that I can take and implement into my life on a regular basis. So it just, it helped me with my own self-care. It helped me focus in on making sure that I was doing that. Um, so yeah, it was kind of a win, a win, win, but the process wasn't fun. Are you still working on another one? Oh, you know, and I think that was part of the gift is that I've been working on a book for a couple of years. I've written, I think, one and a half drafts. I'm getting, I'm finished almost my second draft. And writing this book and the months that I wrote it really, really taught me that I could have finished my book a long time ago. This book that I'm writing, though, is a memoir. And this book is, you know, it's the self-care book is, is a light book. It's, a, you know, skill and helpful book. My memoir is, it's darker and it's, you know, it's emotional more emotional. Work, it's, yeah. it's harder writing for sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, of course, we can't wait to hear a little bit more about the book. And as we, mm -hmm. as we talk about self-care, um, which is super popular right now, and I think really timely, which is, I'm sure, why you chose to write about it, um, we want to keep in mind that the purpose of this episode or what we want our friends to take away from mm -hmm. listening to this episode is the truth that strong women practice self-care. Amen. All right. Let's start with the basics. How do you define self-care, Zoe? Oh, that's a great question. So I define self-care as really being a good mother to yourself. A lot of people think of self-care as taking care of their body, of, you know, doing indulgent things, but my book really is about holistic self-care. And if you think of what a mother does, a mother makes you eat your vegetables, a mother makes sure you go to bed on time. A mother isn't there just to care for you and feel just soft, right? And cuddly. Moms do that too. And that's really important. But moms also take care of all of you and make sure that you are healthy um, in a well-rounded way. So when I think of self-care, I think of it as that way, being a good mother to yourself. That is definitely a new spin that I haven't heard. Um, I do think that self-care is a buzzword these days. Why do you think mm -hmm. that is? Oh, you know, well, there's 2020 and that's the first thing. <laughs> and, you know, as I think about 2020 and everything that we're going through as a world, right, as a society, I kind of think back to 9-11 and for that, that was more U.S. based, but our lives changed after 9-11. And the reality is the COVID has changed our lives again, and it will be changed forever. And as we are in a place of adjusting, we have to nurture ourselves a little bit more. And so I think that for 2020 and going into 21, self-care has really 
kind of exploded as a buzzword because we do need to figure out how to care for ourselves better as our lives and world is changing. But then when I think about decades, if we look back to the women's movement, right? And um, everything that it gave us as women, our freedoms and our abilities and, and the reality that we could you know, do it all. And, you know, the whole, you know, I am woman, hear me roar. All of that was one side of the pendulum and which actually swung to another side of the pendulum, which is I'm freaking exhausted trying to do all of this. And so I think self-care is an attempt to bring us back to the middle, recognizing that, yeah, we can do it all, but we have to make sure that we aren't losing ourselves, that we aren't exhausting ourselves to such a point that number one, we don't enjoy our lives and that we're not taking care of our bodies and ourselves and we can't take care of other people well. So I think that, you know, both of those right now in our modern day is kind of compounded to really make it a buzzword. I think one of the things that you just said, Zoe, that slapped me because I've kind of come through the women's movement mm-hmm. and all of the possibilities is we can do it all. But for some reason, we walked away saying, and we have to do it all. Oh, and so we good. I just did a post about that. Yes. Yes. And all of those shoulds, you know, the burden is really very strong for women. And so... We, we got to figure out how to care for ourselves. And, you know, I think also, at least for me and not for all women, but at least for me, I grew up being taught that a good woman is sacrificing a good woman, you know, puts herself last a good mother. And that, that is kind of, you know, a virtue. I didn't get that other part that, oh, you've got to take care of yourself in this process, especially, you know, my mom was a homemaker. She was a stay at home mom. And I didn't, I never really learned how to, it's not even about work-life balance because I think that came before the whole self-care thing. It's really about figuring out how do I care for myself and is it even important, right? Is it okay? Is it not selfish for me to not only work, but then take care of myself too, (laughs) in addition to, you know, my kids and my family. So, yeah. Oh, I think you're touching on something that probably some of our listeners are living in the tension as they listen, because Mm. self-care can rub some Christians even the wrong way. Like, oh, that's not biblical. That's, that's not right. That women really should, like you said, be, you know, everyone else first, especially if you're a mom. So can you touch a little bit on that? Like, is there something anti-biblical about practicing self-care? I'm so glad you asked that question because I recently read an article from a Christian writer and I know she came from a really good place in her heart, but she was really coming out against the idea of self-care for a woman and saying that we are supposed to be empty vessels and that we are supposed to, you know, just rely on God and that it's only through our struggle that we can be closer to God and that we should be continually self-sacrificing and not concerned about ourselves at all. And it hurt me because I fear that women will read that and then that just increases guilt for taking care of themselves. And the reality is when I look at the Bible and I look at the Proverbs 31 woman, that woman took really good care of herself Mm -hmm. and she was honored for that, but she also took really good care of her people, but she dressed well. She got up early. She took care of herself her family, her husband, and she was very well respected in the community. And I think we're doing a disservice to women 
when we only uplift and uphold this idea of of total self-sacrifice without understanding that you can still be a sacrificial woman, you can still sacrifice for your family and yet care for yourself at the same time. Even Jesus took time for himself. Go ahead. I'm going to throw this one in. Do you ever have someone tell a man you shouldn't take care of yourself? Uh, (laughs) You know, it's not, we should all take care of ourselves. And the fact that as women, our gender feel like we shouldn't and even from a faith perspective that we shouldn't is completely contrary. We would never ask the men in our lives, the relationships we have not to take care of themselves ever. Absolutely. So we should feel completely comfortable with the fact that that is part of what we're supposed to do. Okay. Well, with that said, then can you help us define what is healthy self-care? Yes. So I think we need to start with what isn't (laughs) healthy Mm -hmm. self-care. So the concept of, you know, taking a bubble bath or just doing whatever feels good in the moment, because sometimes eating a piece of cake might feel good in the moment. That's not really self-care. That's indulgence. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes that's fine to do. Absolutely. But sometimes we can use that word as self-care. They use the word self-care to just excuse any indulgent thing that we want to do for ourselves. And so that is not healthy self-care. Healthy self-care is holistic. Like I said, healthy self-care is being the good mother to yourself. And healthy self-care is also about knowing yourself. Because if you don't know and you're not in tune with your body, if you're not in tune with your psyche, then you're not going to be able to care for yourself well. So it starts with taking the time and recognizing that you as a woman have a relationship with yourself. Mm -hmm. And that relationship is really important. And in all relationships, we have to maintain it. And all relationships, we need to get to know the people that we're in relationship with. And so that's, you know, how I would describe healthy self-care is getting into relationship with yourself, knowing yourself and caring for yourself well. Not just indulgence, although I love the massages and all of this. (laughs) They're included in my book too, because, you know, it's holistic. Our body matters too, but it's just not only that. Um, What about laziness or selfishness? Some people might kind of equate those two things when they hear the term self-care. Absolutely. And I think it could be used as an excuse too. And, you know, my, my definition of laziness is an inner refusal to work hard for the things you want. And so if you are working hard and caring for yourself and taking a break, there's nothing lazy about that. You need to do that. If you're not working hard, you know, and you're just taking, you're just doing what feels good, then that's lazy. Um, The other thing is the difference between selfishness, right? And self-care. So I say that selfishness is when you take from others without concern because your focus is more on yourself. Giving to yourself so that you can care for others, of course, is self-care. Okay. When you, I want to, I want to unpack that a little bit more selfishness. Mm -hmm. You're saying that if I prioritize myself over my children, my spouse, to me, some, some days you might have to prioritize yourself over that person in your life. You might say, I have got to have a day off or you're going to hate me the rest of this week because I'm going to hate myself. Can you switch occasionally and say, I need to take care of myself and you guys have to fend for yourself and that's not selfish? 
Absolutely. Yeah. I wasn't saying that selfishness is, is only just prioritizing yourself. I'm saying it's, it's taking from other people um, without care, without concern, without consideration. Right. So as a mom, you have to consider your family as a, you know, as a woman, you have to consider your other obligations, but you actually, yourself needs to be way up high there on the priority list. So yeah, there's absolutely times when you have to say, you know what, this is time I need for me. I do, I do it regularly. I will take weekends and go to a hotel just by myself and say, Hey guys, this is mom's weekend. You guys need to fend for yourself. But I also know that they're cared for. I put the steps in to make sure, probably do a little more than I should because my husband should <laughs> take a little more of that. But I make sure that, you know, all their stuff is planned out, all their stuff is taken care of. And then I go take care of myself. And sometimes, you know, especially when you're mama of little kids, you've got to just take it sometimes, even when it is going to be a little hard, knowing that you are, it's, it's for the greater good for yourself and your kids. So yes, no, it's not just about only prioritizing, you know, everybody else first or yourself first. It's got to be a balance. So tell us a little bit more about how you approach self-care in your book. Yeah. So from my book, what I've done is I've broken it down into 12 months. So it's a 365 day, uh, you know, tool for self-care. And there's some affirmations and some quotes on some days, but every day you can go to it and get and probably a skill or something you can do in less than 15 minutes to care for yourself. So for women who are like, I don't know what to do. I like this idea of self-care. This gives all kinds of, of possibilities and, and um, choices that you can, can pull from. But what I do in my book is I, I take the idea of seasons, you know, so you, you have a year, we're going to go through seasons. And I try to help a woman focus on one thing per month and self-care. So for January, it's reset. Of course, that makes a lot of sense, right? So how can we do some self-care self -care activities that are resetting? For February, it's focusing on relationships, relationship with yourself, and relationships with others because we do we don't exist in a vacuum we really have to be holistic in that and then for march it's renewal for april it's motivation for may it's simplicity and i think simplicity is really important when it comes to self-care because we can often just overload ourselves we can even in an effort to you know self-development, just add all these things that we're trying to do, 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 right? And before we know it, we're just overloaded. And sometimes we have to just go back to basics. And so that month of simplicity is really about figuring out how to um, just really go back to basics and take some things out of your life that aren't serving you anymore. I love that you did that in May because we know that May is traditionally really crazy, especially mm -hmm. if you're a mama. So well-placed. Yes. Yes. And June is encouragement. Mm -hmm. July is purpose. And that month we really focus on lots of different ways to find purpose. Because a lot of women will say, you know, I don't really know what my purpose is. Mm -hmm. I don't really know, you know, what I'm supposed to be doing. Or sometimes you're in a life transition and your purpose feels lost. And so that month is really about just different activities that you can help um, zone, you know, kind of hone in on your purpose. And August is discipline. Sometimes we, we, you know, especially like you said, if you're a mom, it's time to start going back into school season. If that ever really happens in real life, <laughs> um, <laughs> getting back to that idea of discipline, September is boundaries. October mm -hmm. is affirmation. 
November, of course, is gratitude. And then December is rest because we know mm. December is crazy. And so if you can find those 15 minutes every day to have some rest for yourself, it's uh, rejuvenating. So, yeah. Do you know what I love about that, Zoe? Good job structuring your book. I love it because self-care is a process. I think mm-hmm. we go, hey, I'm going to now take care of myself. And it's not that simple. It's I not, think the way you no. you spelled it out, it I probably pick it up and read it again every year where, yes, I need to reset again. Yes, I need to simplify my life, that it is a process and we need to give ourselves a pass that it's not going to happen overnight. No, not Can at I all. It's a, it's a journey. It's a continual journey because your life changes too. And that's why you have to continue to reevaluate. Is this, you know, what I'm doing still working for me? I love that when you broke it up in the different, you know, topics by month, you can go back. Maybe you follow it through on the calendar, but then you have those resources to go back to when you're struggling with a specific area. Is there one topic or month that you um, found easiest to find activities for? So one of my favorite uh, boundary little activities uh, for the reader is a self-care quiz. So I just start out by saying that boundaries are central to self-care, and this is a quick test that a reader can ask themselves to evaluate evaluate the status of boundaries in their relationships. So number one, am I regularly doing something for someone that they can do for themselves? That's enabling. Mm -hmm. Number two, am I putting their needs above my own most of the time? That's devaluing self. Number three, do I justify bad behavior? Number four, do I say no, but give in to pressure? Number five, do I expect them to hold my boundaries? Number six, do I say yes and resent them afterwards? So basically, if you've answered yes to more than two questions, then I would strongly encourage you to take a look at your boundaries and start working on them. So that's a little quiz that I start just in the beginning of the idea. Somebody Um, just added your book to their Amazon cart after hearing those questions. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I need this. (laughs) So for setting healthy boundaries, as you speak clearly with an expectation to be respected, refrain from using words like, I think, I would like, I would appreciate that, or that would be nice. Mm -hmm. Instead, use clear, direct phrases communicating that a boundary is not a desire, it's a non-negotiable. So you can use these boundary setting statements as you move through your day. No, that doesn't work for me. I can't help you. I'm not okay with that. If you want to be in relationship with me, this needs to change. You're asking me to do something that I don't feel comfortable with, and I won't do it. I don't agree with you. Stop. This is as much as I'm willing to do. I'm not changing my mind on this. So these are really clear statements that sometimes women have a difficult time doing. Instead, they kind of hedge and they want to be nice and they feel like those words are too strong. But those are actually really healthy boundary setting statements to make. Okay, that's just one month in the entire book. If that gem is a little part of what you've written, Zoe, I think every woman's going to want a copy of your book. Oh, well, I hope so. I feel like this (laughs) would also be a great gift to give. So again, adds to cart. Yeah, I think it would be a great gift because it's one of those, you know, it's not a really big book either. So it's really easy to kind of throw in your purse and you can just read, read just a a paragraph every single day. So it's a really great gift to give to any woman, especially a busy woman who doesn't have time to sit and read a whole book. So is it just a daily, it doesn't take very long the way you've written it? 
Yep. Every day, it's no more than just a paragraph. Ah, oh, I think that's I might doable. be able to read that book. Yeah, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Well, you mentioned something earlier that I want to go back to. Um, you said that we struggle with shoulds, especially as women. So you talk mm-hmm. about finding your own self-care lane. Tell us what that means. Yes. You know, I talked about, you know, growing up and this idea of, of how you learn to care for yourself. And what happens, especially in our Instagram society, is that we look at other people and we think, oh, look at what she's doing. I should try that or I should do that for myself. And then we feel guilty. So self-care cannot be a thing that you do out of guilt or a thing that you do out of should. It's so important for you to understand and learn and know yourself so that what you're doing is actually benefiting yourself. So, you know, I have 365, you know, little, you know, nuggets in this book and they're not going to be for everybody. My sisters read the, the, um, the copies as they've come out. There's one activity where I talk, it's like an Ayurveda exercise where you're like using oil on your body. And she's like, that's disgusting. I would never do that. And I'm like, good. But then somebody else is going to be like, oh, I want to do that. And that sounds so good. Same thing for yoga. If yoga doesn't do anything for you, it doesn't matter that everybody's telling you you should do yoga, right? You can try it, but if it's not working, it's not self-care. So we really have to make sure that we redefine what that word means for us. It's okay if it doesn't look like the next woman's. You need to stay in your lane. That's funny that you mentioned the yoga. I've probably (laughs) shared it here before, but my sister is literally a yogi has spent Uh months in Bali learning the practice and like is legit a yogi. And so I try to love her and support her. And when she comes to visit, I organize a time for her to teach a class for my friends and I go and I don't like it at all. (laughs) And so I've just said to her, I love you, but I don't even like yoga. And I feel like she's come to a place of respecting that while I respect her yoga practice. I love that. And I know... Zoe, you had said you love a good massage. I don't like people I don't know touching me. Okay. (laughs) So it's like, that just stresses me out royally. So I love that you personalize self-care. That's perfect. Yes. Yes. I don't understand that, Darlene, because massage (laughs) is like my heaven. But that's the thing is we are all different and we can't try somebody else's. Yeah. Okay. So I asked you before if there was an area that was your favorite as you wrote about it for the book, was there one mm-hmm. that you found, was there one that you found hard to write about because it was the area maybe you struggled the most? Hmm. That's a good question. You know, I think renewal was hard for me. I came up with the idea and then really trying to understand what that meant for me and, and how, you know, I could, write about and explain about it and what that could mean for another woman, I think was a little hard for me. Um, I'm not sure exactly why. That's a great question, uh, Julie. But I think the month of renewal was a little difficult for me to write. Yeah. Well, I think, Dr. Zoe, your book is essential for every woman because I can't think of one woman that I know who practices self-care very well. We just don't. By our very nature and the demands of our life, we tend to put ourselves last, and we shouldn't. We absolutely shouldn't. And since it only takes one paragraph and a little (laughs) bit of time every day, I think it's doable for everyone. So where can our listeners find your book? It's available today. (laughs) 
It's out on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. It's a year of self-care. Make sure you put in my name because there is another book with that name. So Zoe Shaw, a year of self-care. You can find it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble's today's launch day. We will definitely link to it in the show notes, but congratulations and happy official book launch day. Hey, can I ask you a favor as our friend? Of course. I love that you said, of course, without even knowing what I was going to say, um, because I know I that- didn't say I do it. I said, you can ask me. <laughs> oh my gosh. What that's a great a, boundary. Wait a minute. That's a wise woman. She's caring for herself. I okay. Um, because I know everyone who's listening now knows that she needs this book at the very least for a friend, because that's what women do. We, you know, asking for a friend. Um, we're going to want <laughs> as many of these copies of your book in the hands of our listeners. So can we do a little sharing challenge that if our friends who listen to this show share about this episode and tag you and us, they could be entered to win a free copy of the book. You want to do that? Absolutely. I'm excited to do that. We'll figure that out. We'll put all the details on how you can get your hands on a free copy while you also purchase a second copy. We'll put all of that in the show notes. Dr. Zoe, thank you so much for taking time to share with us about your book. Thank you for taking the time to write the book. I know it's going to help so many of us. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Of course, we're going to quote Dr. Zoe herself to end this episode. She said, self-care is a daily exercise one that is free but priceless. It's a continual reckoning with your soul where you make a declaration, I am worthy to be cared for. Let's be women who put a little bit of self-care into our grit and grace lives. Thanks for listening to another episode of this Grit and Grace Life podcast brought to you by the Grit and Grace Project. Whether you're listening in Apple, Spotify, or streaming somewhere else, be sure to subscribe and review so you never miss an upcoming episode. You can also share this episode with a friend you think might enjoy living a grit and grace life with us, or share us in your social media and tag us. Every week, we share all the details of what we discussed at our website, gritandgracelife.com. We'll catch you on the next one.